problem most men have is they don't know how to talk to women. This is Dirt and Sprague. You know what my problem is? I am not interesting. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. What am I supposed to say? I went to magic camp? I'm an accomplished ventriloquist? Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Oh, I am a 7th degree imperial yo-yo master. (gasps) Oh, do me, yo-yo master. I want you to do me because you're the yo-yo guy. The Fan. All right, welcome back in hour number two. Dirt and Sprague here on this Thursday morning. Hope you guys are doing well. We have uh, Sal Capaccio in Buffalo at WGR 550 hopping on with us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on the Burrow versus Allen matchup. Uh, we'll have Ken Barkley in exactly an hour from now of You Better You Bet and the BetQL Network. He'll join us as he always does at 8 a.m. on Thursdays. We'll get all his picks and thoughts of the divisional round weekend and see how he did uh, in the super wild card matchup. And uh, Dirt's going to take us on a fun adventure. Where to? I don't know. A lot of CW talk. I'm going to do an hour and a half of live in CW. (laughs) They reached their deal. Now I'm going to have to field emails and tweets about (laughs) you taking blood money. Great. I can't wait. I, it's going to be fantastic. Is that trickle down? Is that a trickle down economics? Situation? Is that where trickle down ep- is that economics how it works? actually yeah. trickles down? Is in the live golf Saudi agreement. Moesha is going to get a little kick, and then uh, you know the, the WHL is going to get a little kick. Look, I know politically we told you trickle down in the eighties <laughs> was real. It it's been proven it's not. But we're going to continue to selling the dream to you. I hope it actually trickles down to you. Give me some of that oil money. Uh, the Pac twelve football schedule got released yesterday. You know my stance. Woo! I'm kind of an anti-schedule guy. Don't be. Don't poo-poo this. But this was the first one I got excited Thank for. Thank you. This is a season unlike one we've had probably since we've done the show together. Yeah, I mean, with your guys' Nancy schedule down there in Corvallis, you're probably feeling great. You don't play anybody till November. I love that you're playing Texas Tech and you're acting like you have this incredibly difficult non-conference schedule. Power 5 opponent. Power 5 opponent. You get Hawaii. On the road. Power 5 opponent. I mean, you have you have the worst team in the non-conference on your schedule. You have Portland State. Uh, well, no, easy, easy. Cal Poly is not better. Cal than Poly's Portland. better than Portland State. BS. Look up the standings. I will look up the standings. What are they in the same division? Are they in the same conference? <laughs> Where does Cal Poly play? What conference are they in? What level They're are they? Both in the Big Sky. Okay, let's look up Big Sky standings. Is that a division, Swigard, or is that a conference? <laughs> no, that's a conference. All right, let's check it out. It's conference. Big. This is the this is the journey and the battle we all need to fight here. Okay, twenty twenty two Big Sky, Big Ten. Oh, wait, hold on, I got to go to like a lower level. Jeez Louise! Hold on, give me a second you don't even here. Know how to find the Big Sky. Give me a Big Sky conference. Damn it! Told you. I Wait, tried to tell no, you. no, I was I stand corrected. Nah, I looked lying, at Cal- UC Davis, who you guys play what in week two, I believe, right? UC Davis, your week two opponent. They were you don't even want to talk anymore. They were six and five. That's bowl eligibility at it the is. FCS level. Yeah, six and five. Portland State four and seven. I'm an idiot. <clears throat> it was did close you, though. It was close. Did you realize that when games you, at the FCS level, yeah, they, they have a play three and five in conference play, five and three, very close, very close. Did you realize you were wrong as you read it out at loud? the very end of my statement? Yeah, I totally realized. Yeah, kind of backfired on me. I actually had no idea who was worse, and the fact that you went down that rabbit hole for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. We do the research on this show. Okay, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna do the thing that people hate, but win, they also loss, love. Okay. Loss, win, loss. Week one, win. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Go. Week one. Win. Win. win week win, two. Win. 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 Week three. Win. Win. Who are we talking about? Oregon or Oregon State right now? My school, your school. Oh, okay. Both of them? Yeah. Week four. Hold on. Let me pull the schedule up in front of me. I got it right here. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, what? Week you four. didn't memorize it yet? I have not memorized How it yet. Dare no. You. I have not done that. Uh, we got Colorado in week four. That's a win. Suck okay. it, Dion. Week five. Have you guys played a Power Five team yet? Have you? Ex- we, we just beat the Cougars. Okay, and we beat San Diego State. Oh, okay. Well, that's not a. They're going to be in the Pac-12 soon. Not a power. Haven't you heard? The no. national radio host said they're going to be in the Pac-12 at the end of the week. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. San Diego State's totally coming. <laughs> it's going to it's going to take place. Okay. We got at Stanford in week five. Suck it. That's an easy win. We have Utah at home on a Friday. That's a win. Uh, week six. <laughs> Are we both going 12-0? and 0? I think we're both going 12-0. and 0. Hold on. Week six. I got a bye week in week six. Okay. I'm sitting at home. Uh, we have Cal. That's a win. Uh, week seven. Uh, we got the Huskies. Huskies have no chance. Yeah, UCLA comes to Corvallis. Goodbye. Yep. Sorry, uh, Dante Moore. That's a win. Week eight. Uh, week eight, we got the Cougs at home. That's an easy dub. They can't beat us at Autzen. We've got a bye, so we won that one. Week nine. <laughs> We're at, at Utah. We took down the Pac-12 champions last year. No problemo. With a quarterback that couldn't move. If we got a quarterback that could move next year, easy win in Salt Lake City. Jed Fish was caught picking his nose. Oregon State wins in a blowout at the Zona Zoo. Week ten. God, your guys' schedule is so easy. Uh, we got Cal at home. Sorry, Will Cox, you're going down again. Uh, Primetime will be backpedaling, not high-stepping. That's a win. <laughs> we building to an 11-0 Civil War. I can Week feel it. 11. Uh, we got USC. Finally, things get good for us, and uh, they can't play any defense. The games at Autzen will take them down. <laughs> Stanford might as well not exist. That's a win. <laughs> Week 12. Uh, we got at Arizona State. No chance. Kenny Dillingham in year one. Get out of here. You, you, you. You suck. UW loses at Corvallis. Week 13. I mean, it's an easy one. You guys haven't won in Eugene since what, like 1975? Uh, 2007, Rogers Fly Sweep around the corner. You remember it well. It was your first season there. I do. I was in college then. That was 15 years ago. Uh, You probably wanted to go buy a sports bra because you're so jealous of Oregon State. (laughs) A mighty win over Justin Roper. Here's what I'll tell you. If Justin Roper plays in that game, you'll win that game. Nah, I mean, put Bo Nix in. He'll choke in a big game. Uh, And who wins that game, Dirt? I mean, we know the answer to that question. It's a 12-0 season coming for Oregon. That's weird. We have a 12-0 season. What do we do with this? Two 12-0 seasons? I just enjoy – I there were so many Beaver fans at the end of the year. I love Beaver fans. I love I love giving you crap. There were so many fans at the end of the season that complain about the Pac-12 standings and now Oregon got, like, the kiss of God by scheduling. The home team The thing. home teams. Yeah. They got, you know, UCLA at home. You got Washington at home. You did have to go on the road for the Civil War. But a lot of their tough conference games were Utah at home late in the season. Are those same complaints going to be levied? Next year, when when Oregon State fans sees the schedule, what's their hardest not uh, outside of the Civil War because that obviously rotates every year. Right. What's their next hardest road conference game at Washington State or Arizona? Probably. Okay. Would be my guess. So you, I mean, you're getting the kiss of scheduling gods on top of not playing anybody. Yeah, they're gonna go to Pullman late September, so you won't have nasty. The weather, weather will be nice. It'll be nice. Ridiculously hot still, but well, you it, guys have had a lo- you guys have had a rough history in Pullman though over the years. Pullman's a tough place to help for Oregon. We were lucky to win that I'm game. I'm wondering about a road trip for that one. Oh, you want to go up to the Palouse? Nine twenty three. If you're gonna get some, if you're gonna get me to go to Pullman, September is the time to get me to go yeah. to Pullman. This is the interesting thing about this. I always talk a big big game. This season is so like highly anticipated, and I know it is in Eugene as well and in Seattle. I want to go to as many home games as I can this year. You should with that home schedule. 
I would kick around the idea of going to Pullman for the first time ever in my life. Because that could be a fun game. To run an RV. Any RV companies out there want to loan us an RV for the weekend? Could be a fun little getaway. Take yeah. a show on the road. We could do a live show from Pullman on Friday. I've never had the Cougar cheese. The gold cheese. What is that called? Cougar the, gold. Cougar, Cougar gold. gold. Yeah. Pullman is beautiful, man. That drive to get out there, it's, is it? it is a gorgeous place. I was close. You know, I was close to being a Coug. I wish you would have been a Coug. You would have liked me more if I was a Coug. Yeah, because we would have been state <laughs> brethren. We would have been like, hey, nobody, nobody likes us. I wouldn't have to work on Saturdays around here. Like, could, hey, he's a duck. Let's just throw him on the pregame show. Like, I'm a coog. I'm not doing that show. Hey, uh, you and I, we're going to the Mountain West together. <laughs> Give us a couple of years. <laughs> it's a couple of little brothers hanging out, man. No big deal. What does the schedule thing do to you? Like, Oregon, Oregon State's like, I didn't really have much takeaway. I knew the opponent just when they play. and it, Like, I kind of like when their buy is. Yeah, their buys right in the middle of the season. It's kind of perfect. You, you don't, you know, it's right in the middle. I like getting Utah at home on a Friday night. I like that. I like that. Does I, Oregon I like, have any weeknight games? I didn't look at that part. Uh, just Oregon the only, just Civil, Civil War. War. Just the Civil War. And I'm, I'm glad, by the way, that game's gone back to Friday. I don't like it on Saturday. I like it the day after Thanksgiving. I'm with you. I like having a Friday game. It just, I, I like the eat a lot of food, have a good time with family, take eight naps, watch football. Wake up next day, head to Eugene or head to Corvallis, tailgate your ass off, Yeah, have a good football game, hopefully, and then Saturday, Sunday, watch the rest of the stuff from your couch. Yeah, my takeaways, for I did actually have takeaways for each of them. I, the way Oregon State's schedule lines up for them, I think I think you're really confident going into the year. They have, an, um, they have a chance, man. The roster, the returning talent, the oh, way it lines up for them, they've got a chance to do something they haven't done. Well, and, and on top of that, I mean, we can jokingly say, and this is I'm not going to complain about it as the year goes on because the schedule rotates every year. Complaining about it is stupid. Yeah, you, I agree with that. You're way. having a this is a great year where it's like your toughest non your your toughest conference road game is like at Arizona. There's no at USC on there. You don't have to go to Seattle. I mean, outside of the Civil War. Um, oh, I think it's, I think it's Pullman, but Arizona. Sure, Pullman. Very yeah, well Arizona. Be yeah, maybe it ends up being that. Hell, maybe Colorado surprises it and ends up being Colorado this year. But that just the simple fact that we're going into the season with I think you would argue four or five teams near the top, right? Utah, Oregon. Washington, USC, Oregon State probably in the mix to win the conference, and you only have to play a road game against one of those teams, and it's your in-state rival, the schedule lines up perfectly for you. And and, and similarly, when I looked at Oregon's schedule, because you're just always curious when their game's going to line up, you got a bye week before you have to play Washington. The start of your schedule, if you survive at Texas Tech, you open with Colorado at home and Stanford. Those are two very winnable conference games. Washington also has a bye, so it's not a benefit to one or the other, but I like being fresh ahead of a big game. And then you kind of are able to balance big game with a winnable game because you go at Washington and you get Washington State at home, who I know has been a thorn in the side, but it's different for Oregon when they play him at odds. And then you go to Utah, then you get Cal at home. So there's kind of an ebb and flow uh, that I think that works great. And then you get USC, Arizona State, and then you close with, with Oregon State. The team that I think has the toughest gauntlet is undoubtedly Washington. And Washington, for a lot of people, will be the odds-on favorite going into the year. They, they are going to stack up a ton of wins. They do get Oregon at home coming off that bye that I talked about. But you look at their last three games, their, or the last four games, I should say, November 4th at USC. Then they come home and play Utah. Then they go on the road to Oregon State, and then they get the Apple Cup. Like, that is a gauntlet 
to end your season, you could argue outside of the Oregon game, the other four hardest games on their schedule are all backloaded to the last four weeks of the season. Their non-conference is not easy either. They have to go to Michigan State, and, and I don't know how good Michigan State's going to be next year. But Well, I'm just going to assume Mel Tucker's going to hit the portal hard and Michigan State won't be as bad. But I think anytime you go on the road and play, like we can joke about Texas Tech. Texas Tech was a bowl team. They won eight, yeah. nine games this year. Like Anytime you got to go on the road and play a Power 5 opponent, that that's a good win. That's a quality team. Well, especially at the start of your year when you're kind of, you know, you're building everything, right? Like, even with returning talent, you're still, it's a new year, it's a new thing. Like, it's not always the easiest to go on the road in non-conference. But, like, you open with Boise State. I mean, Boise State's always kind of an annoying team to play, right? I was nervous as hell for Boise State this year. Tulsa. Tulsa's a fun little Sunbelt, you know, powerhouse offensive type team. Mm -hmm. You never know. And then you go to Michigan State. Uh... I actually, I'll push back a little bit. I actually think the the second half post buy, that's not an easy schedule for you guys in Eugene. You open with UW. I know UW's coming off their buy as well. So yeah, you're both fresh there. You hope Washington State. I I don't have the belief Washington State's going to beat you in Eugene. So I agree with you there. But then it's at Utah. Never easy. Mm -hmm. Always unpredictable. Cal seemingly always somehow plays you guys tough. Even in games, you're like, they should blow them out. And I know they did this year. but I Cal was, was a Mario Cristobal problem. Yeah, maybe it was. But even Chip had a few seasons where Cal was randomly like hanging with those powerhouse teams. And then it's USC at home. I don't know what to expect from ASU. I don't know if I expect a lot. And then at OSU. It's not an easy back half no. after that bye week for Oregon no, either. It's not easy. It's going to be a tough one. They'll win them all, though. <laughs> Except that last game of the year. <laughs> The schedule game is like... I love it, dude. I was excited when this came out. It's, it's Were you? It's kind of dumb. It's kind of meaningless because we already knew all the opponents. It's just putting the puzzle together. Where do the games fall in the season? But when the, I got jacked reading through these yesterday. Um, I, You know, I get kind of excited to see how they shake out. But, like, ultimately, I don't remember any of them. We'll I'm forget. Like, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do this again in August. Be like, hey, that's right. You play them in October on the road. Okay. Colorado gets to open the Dion... Uh, you know, rain against TCU. The next week they play Nebraska, too. That's a hell of a one-two punch to open the season. Yeah, and thankfully they get Colorado State, who's probably the worst team in college football. <laughs> like, seriously, go look up Colorado State. It's bad. Uh, best non-conference matchup. I went through it. Washington State gets Wisconsin coming to Pullman, which is... That's a good one. As an Oregon State fan, it is cool to see, even though Wisconsin isn't necessarily the best team in college football. With Fickle there now. Uh, Cal, and they... By the way, go look at what Wisconsin's been doing in the portal. They, I might have been way wrong on Wisconsin. Fickle might have that thing humming. Yeah, they wouldn't got the UNC offense coordinator. Uh, they've got some powerhouse wide receivers coming in. I think they're going to spread that thing out. I don't think you're going to see the same Wisconsin football. Cal has Auburn coming to Berkeley. That's pretty cool. And then uh, Arizona State has Oklahoma State coming to town. And Arizona goes to Mississippi State. I think you're missing the best game, and that is Utah. Utah Baylor. Utah hosting Florida. Oh, well, I Yeah. That's the opening game of the season. They get them in Salt Lake City. Is Utah? Wow, Utah's is tough. Utah is Florida at home, and then they're at Baylor. That's a brutal non-conference schedule. God, they could be 0-2 again. Yep. But I don't know what to expect from Florida, so who knows. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, there's the Pac-12 schedule as announced yesterday at 10 a.m., and everybody's team is undefeated right now. So that's all we're going to live in, the undefeated world. All right, coming up next, uh, we got more to get to, and then we've got Sal Capaccio at the bottom of the hour. Dirt and spray on the fan. <laughs> Sal Capaccio is going to join us from Buffalo coming up. If you're just tuning in, we just went through the Pac-12 schedule in full. 
And somehow Oregon and Oregon State were both 12-0. and 0. It's remarkable. It's never happened before in the history of college football. And uh, very excited. Listener pointing out, too, the USC kind of getting the shaft. And they, their end of the uh, schedule is pretty tough. Good. They deserve it. Good. They, sh- they should get the shaft. It's the Pac-10 season. Yes, I wish we would make them play all road games. Is that possible? Just flip it up on them. You get you get your non-conference games at home, every conference game on the road. I think every game they play this year is a non-conference game. <laughs> be honest with you. Hey-o. Uh, Anybody but USC. Don't let them win the. I don't. This is good. You're not going to believe me right now, but I'm going to say it, and you can write it down in Sharpie. <laughs> if my Oregon Ducks are not in the Pac-12 championship game, and somehow USC is playing in that game, okay. I will root for whoever is playing against Washington. USC. Yes, Oregon State. Yes, Utah. I already did it this year. Can I? Yes. Can I get a, a little a little added bonus to this? What do you want? What's your bonus? If it is indeed Washington against USC. I'm, I'm rooting for the Huskies. I will hate you, to do will it. Will you bark on the show at one point going into the game? You got it. I'll bark on the show. Wow, I'll give you a wolf. Wow. Give even you. if they beat you guys that year. Even if they, well, that's not going to happen. But even if well, they even do. if they do, even if they do, yeah. And your best anybody but you screw anybody but USC man. Wow. I, I am sticking with the ten remaining members of the conference. I'm standing strong with you. I think we you're need right. to band together. Right. Screw the LA schools. They're leaving us in a ditch. And uh, the conference is going to be great this year. It's just unfortunate it's the last year of the Pac-12. I'd put this on Twitter, but I know the instant result would oh, be God. Uh, no, no, never if it's the Ducks and the Trojans. I'm not going to watch. Their hatred is so strong that theirs that is as Oregon State fan. But they were there were people trolling me on Twitter about the Chargers losing, <laughs> and I just thought, really, we're doing this? Imagine me tweeting you if Adley Rutschman goes zero and four, like zero for four in a playoff game. <laughs> I would never do that. But I kind of love that though. More power to you. I, I love that people are like, yo. The first thing they think of is I'm going to go troll a duck fan. <laughs> yeah, okay. like, I hate this team <laughs> so much that I want to reach out to somebody that I know that is a duck fan. A guy who's a genuinely good dude from <laughs> Sheldon who broke his leg in high school. He's a model citizen. Like, yeah, screw that guy, man. <laughs> screw Abney Rutschman. I hate him. No duck fan says that, but whatever. The flying clutchman. Uh, what is with all the dead whales in Oregon right now? Why are we not blowing this one up? Let's do it again. Mm. You know, that's, that's a, an iconic moment in Oregon history, and I think we should repeat it. Yeah, hold, that didn't go so well the first let's time. Let's try it again. Trial and error. Hold all. Casey Hold all the Blazers was, he's not a fan of that joke anymore. Well, I think he gets it a lot when you're on the road. I think as a, I think they probably make fun of the state of Oregon and when the Blazers are in town about blowing up the whale. Well, I, just, I, I feel like since that whale got blown to pieces, when, Swag, what were you, 38 when that happened? <laughs> when the whale, 36? Something like that. Uh, but when they blew that whale to hell. 33? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how many whales we've had wash ashore on Oregon, but it feels like there's probably, 1970 is when it happened. Yeah. I feel like we've had enough whales to the point where it's like, we're still referencing that, huh? The blow up the whale thing. It's a pretty remembered thing. We blew up a whale and it did not go well. It's probably the only time <laughs> in human history there will ever be a whale documentedly blown up on yes, television. Live on television and everybody got covered in whale carcass. I really got tempted the other day because they announced with the first whale. Did you see what they're going to do with it? No. Are there more than one whale right now? Do we have we, yesterday? They they have another one. Another whale washed up on the shores in Astoria. Gee, this one's on? a little smaller, I think, than the original one. Okay. Do we know the reasoning why? Are they sick? Diseased? Do we have like a whale's virus going on? Uh, I don't know if they've determined the reason for it, but I can tell you sperm whales are largely whales you never see. They're very deep water whales. Like they're, you don't hang, you don't see them. Okay. So when you see them, it's usually because they washed ashore. Sure. 
Uh, the first one was a pretty big whale. This uh, second one is a slightly smaller one. Uh-huh. The first one, their plan is not to blow it up. They want to kind of steer it towards the sound, and they basically want to just put it in the sound and allow animals to eat it. I mean, that seems like a pretty good strategy, although it's not going to smell horrible just having a whale carcass sitting right there with birds and other prey eating on that thing. Yeah, probably not going to smell great, but, like, there's beach wolves. <laughs> Okay. They're going to feast on this thing. There's going to be fish and seals. I'm and learning something birds. new every day. You're such a beach guy now. You know that there's beach wolves. I, I love the beach. How man. did the sperm whale get its name? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Is it because it's sperm? Is, yeah. Why would we name the whale sperm I think there's whale? more than one meaning of the word sperm, right? Is there? I don't know. I'm kind of looking <laughs> that at That seemed very confident you know? when you said that. No, yeah, I do, but it trailed off at the end if you noticed because I was like, uh, we'll see if Papa swags up. If my yeah. phone, phone buzzes here. If the phone a buzzes, bit, give Papa me an answer on up. that. Well, I mean, every other whale guy. It's a unique name. Is it not a unique name? Well, it is. Like, Because we had to have named it after we already named the other sperm sperm, right? Like, we already used that to classify. No, okay. Well, but we have a blue whale. And then whale. we decided to add, like, blue whale, that's fine. It's a color. Gray whale. Gray whale, yeah. We've humpback got humpback whale. Humpback. Humpback. He has a humpback, or they have a humpback, whatever they are. We've got the great, the, the killer whale. Killer whale. The orca. Things. Orcas. The, yeah. the orca. That's my favorite. I always love a good orca. Good orca fam. I'm trying to see. Let's see. It's named after the wax. <laughs> oh, no. No. Well, it's a waxy substance that's found in the head. A little gooey. There's a, a uh, sticky that stick together spermaceti oil sack that helps the whale focus sound. Oh, okay. So it's about sound. Oh, okay. It's oil that's you know has lube in it and all kinds of stuff. Love a good lube, especially with a sperm whale. Uh, Sal Capaccio joins us from Buffalo. WGR five fifty covers the Bills, and Ken Barkley will join us at eight. Sal joins us to talk about the Bills-Bengals game. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Pelican Brewing presents the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit with the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague is brought to you by Pelican Brewing, born at the beach. All right, David Ticker time here on a Thursday. Brought to you on the fan by Pelican Brewing Company. Born at the beach online at pelicanbrewing.com. The game that most people are probably excited for this weekend, Buffalo, Cincinnati. And it's happening in Buffalo. Joining us now is our good friend Sal Capaccio. He's a Bills beat writer and sideline reporter on uh, WGR 550 out there in Buffalo. At Sal Sports on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Sal, good morning to you, man. I'm going to start. We're a couple of degenerates out here. And we looked at that (laughs) line last weekend, Miami-Buffalo. They got a third-string quarterback. Buffalo's going to kill him. It's in Buffalo. No chance this game's close. 17 nothing. I'm cashing my check. What went wrong, and and how are Bills fans feeling after having eke one out against a, a Dolphins team that was shorthanded? Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Um, I think a lot of people felt the same way. Oh, the Bills should just dominate this game, and they really were. They were dominating through the first quarter. It was 17 nothing, And then all of a sudden, they just um, uncharacteristically just started making um, – mistakes of the details that they're, they're usually so buttoned up on now turnovers they've happened this year and that happened for sure but it was a drop catch in the end zone by Dawson Knox touched the ground which should have been a 24 nothing instead of, they had to settle for the field goal there um or I guess 21 nothing mm-hmm. and then right after that a kickoff goes out of bounds by Tyler Bass very uncharacteristically mishits it um then they had another interception right after that things started snowballing 
And those little details added up. The Dolphins' starting field position in the first half was their own 44-yard line. The Bills just kept giving them opportunities and to give the Dolphins credit. So uh, the Bills just didn't take care of the football. Josh Allen threw two interceptions. I'd say one was on him, one wasn't. And then he also fumbled the ball that turned into a a fumble six. Mm. So those are the little things that added up. And obviously after the game, you know, people feeling like, okay, well, you got away with one. You can't play like that against Cincy and win the game. But I got to tell you guys, I mean, it's a division rival. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. They were familiar with each other. The Dolphins and Bills split this year. They know each other. Um, you're going to have games like that. And I think they're saying the same thing in Cincinnati this week that we're saying in Buffalo, which is you can't play like you did against that team because yeah. you're going to wind up losing if you do. So is Josh Allen healthy? I, I think it might have been the New York game when they played the Jets where the report came out that he had like an elbow problem. Now, he, he continued to play. There was no – I didn't see anything that indicated it was serious. But I think people are wondering kind of like what's going on with Josh Allen just because – if you were to count a postseason game, he leads the league in interceptions. He's kind of been turnover prone this year, and, and just kind of what goes into that because it's not the Josh Allen a lot of us saw last year. And so I'm curious if you think he's hurt or what do you think the deal is there with him? No, he's fully healthy now. I mean, he is still on the injury report getting a little treatment on that elbow, but right after that game, yeah, that was a very big concern that it was going to be even a long-term injury, but he played the following week. Um, he's clearly a bit compromised by the elbow uh, after that happened. That was a pretty significant injury. And he threw, you know, part of the reason he leads the league in turnovers is he threw six interceptions over a three-week period, two, two, two. Um, and then he went five games without interception, I think four or five. Um, you know, so he's, look, but you take Josh Allen's numbers and you still put him up against anybody in the league. He was, you know, in the MVP conversation for a long time. But mm-hmm. this is what you get with Josh Allen. And people have to remember, if you want the greatness of him, you're going to have to live with some of these other risky things he does. He's very Brett in that regard. Um, you can't ask Josh Allen even Sean McDermott said yesterday, you can't take the handcuffs off him. You just have to be smarter. He's got to make some smarter decisions. Josh, I think Josh tries to win the Super Bowl sometimes every play, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always pressing. He's always trying to be Superman, and he can be at times, and that can get him in trouble. But, I mean, guys, I mean, he has, he has the, um, some of the greatest playoff statistics ever, including last week. People saw the turnovers last week. He also threw for 353 yards and had dropped passes that would have equaled about 60 yards that could have put him over 400. He also threw for three touchdown passes. If Josh Allen throws for three touchdown passes Sunday, he will have achieved 20 touchdown passes in the postseason faster than anybody in the history of this game. <laughs> That's an insane number. I love, the, I love the line, too. Super Bowl every play. I think I said that on Monday. It's like every play yeah. feels like he has to be the hero. And he just says, hey, just take a sack, yeah. man. It's all right. It's se- second and 22 is exactly okay. Right. We'll, we'll overcome it with, with the way you can throw the ball down the field. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, the really the only concern I have about Buffalo is it feels like at times, and I know on, on the season their rushing numbers are solid. I think a lot of that has to do with Josh Allen and his ability to scramble, and whether it's designed or not designed. Is there any fear there about an inability or an in? consistency I guess I should say uh, in, in a run game and when you turn it around hey we're up by 10 in the fourth quarter can we turn it around and hand it to our backs and and kind of burn down the clock any any concern about a run game there in Buffalo yeah it's it's a great question and it's um it's the same thing here we talk about it a lot we have all year it's an ultimate conundrum here which is the numbers are really good but at times you feel like they can't really lean on it when they need to I think that's where it comes down it's not necessarily even the inconsistency. I think it's the ability to control the game at times they need to control the game. Even last week, they get the ball back fourth quarter, they're up and they throw deep a couple of times. Josh misses it. And I think those were a couple of either bad play calls, bad decisions, but Hey, that's the time you need to lean on the run game. And when they did try to, they really couldn't get it going. Now 
the Bills were the only team in the entire league until the last week of the season. They'd actually rushed for 100 yards every single game. No other team did that all year. <laughs> they wound up uh, second in the league in yards per play. A lot of that is Josh, but even if you take them away, James Cook and Devin Singletary have done a very nice job this year. But I think what they need is when they have to control the game with the run game and they have a lead and things like that, that's when you need to lean on it. And they've been able to do that at times this year but not consistently enough. So, yes, I think the answer to your question is yes, but let's remember last week play the top five run defense. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, this week's defense is still going to be tough, but I think there's some more things they can do against the Bengals in the run game that maybe they could against the Dolphins, and maybe they can lean on that a little bit more. And so it feels it's, – it's an odd thing because I we really like the Bills. The one thing about them, though, that's interesting is their offense and their defense both kind of do the same thing. They look amazing and lights out, and they got these playmakers – and then they go through a couple possessions where it's like, yo, you can move the ball pretty easily on that defense. I'm cor- I'm more curious. We didn't get the matchup, obviously, because of the DeMar Hamlin injury and everything that happened there. And that game gets called in the first quarter. Uh, so we could have had a sample size here already between these two teams. And unfortunately, we don't. When you look at Cincinnati, we obviously know they have offensive line health issues. Uh, how do you feel about the Buffalo defense against those wide receivers in that offense? Well, I don't feel great about the wide receivers, but who would, right? I mean, I don't care how good you are. You're facing Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, but I think the Bills got a bit of a glimpse in those that drive and a half of what the Bengals were thinking of doing against them. Um, but I would also tell you the Bengals attacked Tredavious White early in that game. And Tredavious, you know, he had played, what, about a month uh, before coming back. He had missed a year. Um, and, you know, they had success. But I, I also would tell you that Tredavious probably played his best football the last two weeks since that game. And I think he's rounding back into, you know, form of Tredavious White, what we're used to. So I'm wondering about that. But these two teams are different in that regard. It's the offensive line. Uh, when the Bills played them, they they didn't have Lael Collins, but now they're also without Alex Kappa, and now they're also without Jonah Williams. And it doesn't look, look like either's going to play. That's three starting offensive linemen. I can't imagine the Bengals are going to have a game plan to put Joe Burrow in five-step and seven-step drops at all. I think it's going to be a quick game like they're going to go to, and the Bills are going to have to be very good off the line of scrimmage against those wide receivers. But guys, this is the Bills' defense. It's Ben, don't break. You look at their numbers. Um, they're terrific in the red zone. They give up some yards. They give up some plays. They don't give up points. They're the second-best scoring defense in the league behind only San Francisco. They're just not going to let you score touchdowns, and I think that's the philosophy this week, which is don't let those playmakers make plays over the top. Make Cincinnati earn everything they get. And as far as the offensive line is concerned, look, the one position group the Bills have overhauled and really concentrated on over the last year and a half has been defensive line. And even without Von Miller, that's a big loss, obviously, but mm-hmm. you're talking about high draft picks of – Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, bringing in Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones. They have to dominate this week at Oliver. They, they, this is why you brought that group in for a game like this to say, now you need to take advantage of this depleted Cincinnati offensive line. Yeah, we're talking with Sal Capaccio, Bill sideline reporter at South Sports on Twitter. Go give him a follow. I, you know, we know the history in Buffalo. Obviously, we don't need to go over that. And, and uh, the 30 for 30 was great. Like, how are fans feeling? Is this like a cautiously optimistic? Is this like a, a waiting doom and gloom because of the history? Like, how, how are the, how's the fan base feeling right now that you're, you know, potentially, what, three wins away from winning a Super Bowl? Scared, nervous, all that stuff you just mentioned. You know, um, we, we, listen, not to get too, like, deep into the weeds here, but we've been through a lot here in our city this year, too, guys. And this yeah. plays a lot into it this year, which is you go back to May, we had the awful racist mass shooting at our supermarket. Um, you had um, the snow game where the game had to be moved and, you know, it was really tough on everybody here to dig out from that. And then you had the other snow game where we couldn't even get back. I, I fly with the team. We had to stay in Chicago on Christmas. Couldn't be back here with our families. And then it got so bad, that storm, 
over 40 people died here in the city. People froze in their cars. They couldn't even get to shelter. It was a horrific, horrific, you know, situation. And now you have this team that's doing these great things and on this run, and there's such an intertwined part of our city, which is part of the story of everything going on here. And then you have the DeMar Hamlin situation and everything that went on with that. And I think, you know, people just, they, they want it so bad for this team, for this city. And we know the history here. We know how many times that we've been there and we just come so close and we don't have that championship to show for it. So I think that's what it is. It's cautious optimism, but it's always kind of guarding against it. There's so much scar tissue. Yeah. You don't, I think in this city, we don't allow ourselves even to enjoy the great times enough because we're so worried about them crashing so hard. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, we never have perspective. It's always about the latest win and what are you doing for me now and don't worry about anything yeah. else. We, we'll get you out of here on this one, Sal. Uh, 48 is the number over under in Vegas. What's the weather supposed to be when they kick this thing off? And are we expecting a high-scoring affair or is this one of those it's just a really good football game with two really good football teams and maybe those offenses don't quite get what we want. What do you think is going to happen on when they, when these two teams kick it off? Well, as far as the weather's concerned, um, you know, I've become the best amateur meteorologist in Western New York since I've been on the sidelines over nine years. I, I check weather two weeks out in cities we're going to, right? Um, so I've been on top of this and I will tell you, there is a storm coming, but I don't think it's going to get here by the time the game, it looks like that's going to hold off. We might get something a little bit later. There should be a little bit of snow around in the area. Not much. I mean, it might be even kind of pretty, if you will, like a little snow globe, a little light snow falling during the game. Um, you know, yeah, that'll be cool. It's going to be it's gonna be pretty cold, I guess, you know, mid-30s. That's not too bad. And then the snow kicks up. The, the wind is always the thing here in Buffalo, especially in that stadium. There's some reports that we could get some gusts, but guys, I mean, you deal with it here. And I think these two teams and the cities they play in aren't going to be you know, too worried about that. They both have quarterbacks who can throw through the wind. So I don't think the weather – I think all of it put together, I don't think the weather should be a major factor in this game. I really think this game comes down to the total of, you know, if, if the Bengals are going to play the kind of a keep away game and say, let's not let our offensive line expose us, or are they going to attack and try to get the ball, the playmakers opening up possible big plays for them and the bills. I think these two quarterbacks, these two two offenses are too good to hold them down. I, I think the winning team in this game probably gets two thirty or maybe close to it, which could put us, Right at that number or over. There you go. Great stuff. Sal Capaccio, he's a Bill Sideline reporter. He's also on WGR 550 out in Buffalo, at Sal Sports on Twitter. Uh, we love talking to him. Can't wait to watch this game this weekend. As you mentioned, the city's been through a lot. Such an easy team and city to root for, and we'll see if they can get it done uh, this weekend. We always appreciate the time, Sal, and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. There we go. Out of the tube sound. And uh, Sal Capaccio, <laughs> one of our favorites, man. We love chatting with him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this game coming up next because it just what what the city of Buffalo has been through is, is pretty unique. And th- this is a chance for a special season uh, to wrap up. We'll see if they can get it done this weekend. Let's talk a little bit about Buffalo and Cincinnati. Ken Barkley coming up top of the hour. A little division around Peekaboo next on The Fam. No woman, no cry. Well, we'll get to Ken Barkley coming up top of the hour. We have a carrot that's getting dangled again. Are you chasing it? I want to get to that at some point in the final hour. The head coach wants $20 million a year. How about mm-hmm. that? That's kind of a wild number. I want to talk about this Buffalo-Cincinnati game, though. Our thanks again to Sal Capaccio for hopping on. And I mean, it, it, I, You almost kind of forget everything that the city of Buffalo has been through. The shooting that happened, the horrible winter storms that they've been through, the DeMar Hamlin situation recently. And I saw a report just the other day, I think it was maybe last night when I was looking at stuff, that he's been around the facility every day this week, which I think is, is really cool. Incredible to turn around that he has made. And I can't wait for this game. You have two different teams that are kind of playing with the chip on the shoulder attitude, right? Like Buffalo feels like they got hosed out of a chance of a first round by and the number one overall seed in the AFC because if they would have beaten Cincinnati in that Monday night game, the DeMar Hamlin game, 
they would have been the number one seed because they had the head-to-head win over Kansas City. Now if they meet in the AFC title game, it has to be on a neutral site. Whereas Cincinnati's got the chip on the shoulder because they say, hey, if we would have finished that game and we would have won this division around game, guess where it would be played? It would be played in Cincinnati, not in Buffalo. So you have that kind of dueling chip on the shoulders in both these teams for as you know, unbeatable as they've seemed at times this year, really feel like they're limping in, and that's what I think makes it so fun. You know, Buffalo hasn't been an underdog one time this year. Sounds about right. Every yeah. single game, they've been a favorite. The only one I would have guessed was maybe the road game at Kansas City. No, they were. I think they were a slight favorite. favorite in that game. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this. You know, Cowboys Niners is going to feel special and always exciting when you see it on your television, and I'm sure my emotions as a childhood sports fan will come back during the game if you'd ask me today which i'm most excited for it's burrow allen it is uh we'll see what dallas does what san francisco does maybe lawrence surprises us in kansas city giants eagles okay it's got to be this this is we without sounding uh cold-hearted we got robbed of this matchup a couple weeks ago, we did. right? The, the most unfortunate possible thing could have happened, happened. That was one of the biggest games of the regular season going into it. And 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 Cincinnati, you know, Buffalo can complain all they want. They outplayed Miami by every metric in that first matchup in Miami. They lost. You at least get a neutral site game if you play Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, I think, is the team that should actually be the most frustrated because Buffalo... The cancellation of that game gave Buffalo an opportunity. It didn't so much give Cincinnati much of one because now they got to go on the road. Well, on top of that, too, they almost had to face a situation where they had to flip a coin about who got home field advantage in the Baltimore game and the wild card. Yeah, it, it almost put them in a double negative situation of like, yo, you got to go to Buffalo and then, oh, oh, by the way, we're not sure in case this happens, you may have to flip <laughs> a coin with Baltimore, too. Right. right. I, I was reading a piece and Joe Burrow was asked about being an underdog. And Burrow's like, get out of here. Like, Burrow's like, get this disrespect. We just won the AFC. We're the underdog in this matchup. We love it. He He's relishing this role. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see, like, how Buffalo tries to stop those receivers. Because prior to that Hamlin injury, and it, it's very early in that game in the first quarter, it, Cincinnati looked like, they might be able to throw the ball through the air all night. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 Miami was able to kind of do this. They had some drops. They would add even more production. I'm curious to see what Buffalo can do defensively. Allen, the turnovers, those are a problem, Dirt. The defense is kind of a big problem for me for Buffalo. Because if your run game and your offense go to a couple possessions of struggling and then you don't get any stops, there's your deficit. And so Burrow and company, they he said he loves playing road games. He said he loves playing road games because it, it basically boils down to him and his dudes against the world. Yeah, That's the feeling that they get when they go on the road. And we always talk about the home versus road situation in the postseason. Uh, this, this isn't your standard one that you talk about. This is one where I think if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're nervous as all hell because you just do not know – Cincinnati is capable of winning this game. I think Cincinnati's capable of winning this game by double digits if they're clicking in the right ways. And the way Buffalo's playing right now, this kind of up-and-down nature, barely beating Skylar Thompson at home, we'll see what happens this weekend. But I'm super excited because kind of both situations, it's both storylines. It's the one you say where it's like tugging at the heartstrings. A lot of you know awful things have happened in the city of Buffalo this year. And then the other side is like the team that just won the conference a season ago. 
isn't necessarily looked at in the same <laughs> right. light as them in Kansas City. They, Cincinnati, to me, is a team that everybody's kind of slept on as the year has gone on. The, the tough part for them going in, because all the arguments you're making about Buffalo, I'm with you 100%. I think you can make the same arguments about Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati is one of the flukiest and luckiest plays away from losing to Tyler Huntley and the Baltimore Ravens at home in the wild card round. They they lose if they don't get a ninety eight yard scoop and score fumble, which by the way I think it was Gus Edwards who was in on that play. It damn near fell into the lap of Gus Edwards, and it was like second and goal. So even if he doesn't score there, oh the running back was Dobbins. Was it Dobbins Dob- on the play? Dobbins- Whoever the back was, I know was like right there, and then it you know so the defensive end grabbed it away from him and went ninety eight yards. Yeah. Like that's how they won that game, and it was largely because of the fact their offensive line suffered another injury in Cincinnati, a team that had we talked about this earlier with quarterbacks on the rookie deal. The rookie deal for Burrow allowed them to go out and be uber-aggressive in the offseason, and they felt like they plugged all those holes. They had this terrible offensive line last year. Burrow was running for his life, and they said, we got to fix it. They got off to a really rough start in the first two games, and after that, they've been one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. Now, that offensive line that has gelled and played in an elite level is down to two starters that are remaining, yeah. and it doesn't sound like Kappa's going to play. Jonah Williams dislocated his kneecap. That I think they're down playing. three. Yeah, you're down three, three and Collins is already out. He was the first one that got hurt, and Kappa later and then Jonah Williams last week. So that's the interesting part is like, I agree with everything you're saying about Buffalo. Like, I just don't know how to feel about Allen and the turnovers. Their defense is a little questionable. They gave up Skylar Thompson moved in at times. But then as Sal Capaccio points out, I mean, if, if Knox catches that ball and you don't have the overturned touchdown, that game's 24 nothing. There's a different feeling there. And that kind of breathes some life into Miami and ended up being a big momentum play. That's what makes it unique is both these teams have the ability to win the Super Bowl. Both these teams have the ability to beat Kansas City or Jacksonville uh, next week in the AFC title game. But both of them have major concerns and issues, and they're limping into this game. Whereas it felt like at times throughout the year when they were both playing at their peak, they looked like these unbeatable forces. And now it's like, well, I don't know. Is Allen going to throw three picks and cost him a game? Is Burrow going to have more? Like you bring up Cincinnati's wide receivers. Nobody can stop him, but is he going to have more than two and a half seconds to throw the ball? Right. Well, Everything have to be within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and then you can come play up. You take away the run game. It's just, I don't know, fascinating matchup of two teams that are Super Bowl contenders that are both a little hamstrung right now. Well, to Sal's point, too, like divisional games are always weird. Yeah. My my only pushback on it, because you're right, it, in some ways they're, they were kind of the same a weekend ago where I think there was two points during that game. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe people are listening to this and going, nah, that wasn't me. There were two points in both those games for me where I was like, Skylar Thompson's going to beat Josh like, oh Allen and go to the divisional round? This could happen. And then later, Tyler Huntley's going to win at Cincinnati? Yeah. My thing is, Baltimore I kind of understand more than the Miami-Buffalo thing. Buffalo, Buffalo's problem is a guy that has a futures ticket <laughs> on the Bills to win the enchilada. Buffalo's problem is... It's they they get too home run heavy. It's let me throw the sixty five yard pass, or let me score no points. It seems boom or bust. And Cincinnati's their offensive line woes. That's a, that's a real thing that could really rear its ugly head this weekend. Baltimore to me, John Harbaugh and everything he's established. Yes, Huntley is not Lamar. We know this. That's still John Harbaugh. That's still a tough, especially post Rokon Smith trade. Mm-hmm. That's a feisty, tough defense. Miami's defense was not good this year. They were one of the worst score defenses in the league. They were playing Skylar Thompson. You talk about offensive line issues. 
Teron Armstead play, but he was super banged up. That offensive line wasn't amazing. Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins had a game plan, and it worked, and it worked really well for them. And Buffalo escaped it. Yes, Cincinnati escaped Baltimore, but outside of Lamar, J.K. Dobbins was back. He was playing really well. Uh, defensively, again, go look at the metrics and the numbers post-Roquan Smith trade. They were one of the best defenses in the National Football League. And John Harbaugh's their coach. I kind of understand that. And that Buffalo-Miami one was one where I mean, 17-0 lead. It's one thing to allow a touchdown, maybe even to allow it to be a three-point game. Mm -hmm. To blow that lead and be down at one point in the third quarter, it's it's kind of the reason I like Cincinnati this weekend right now, to be honest with you. I just... I feel like you can trust it a little more, but Buffalo is going to be at home and they'll have another opportunity to maybe get past Cincinnati and dethrone the AFC champions and have a shot in a neutral site against Kansas City. Or, as you mentioned, maybe Jacksonville pulls off an upset. We don't know at this point. I'm with you on that. Baltimore was a tougher opponent, undoubtedly, of, of Wild Card Weekend. Divisional game. They had just played the week before. Like that, that, that was a tough circumstance for Cincinnati. I don't know if the Bengals have the offensive line to go in and win this game, but five and a half. You give me five and a half? I'm taking all those points. We'll see what Ken Barkley thinks. We'll start the final hour there with our uh, gambling guru. we got a carrot getting dangled again. I want to talk about that. A couple other NFL notes. Play a little more peekaboo for the divisional round of the playoffs. But Ken Barkley kicks off the final hour next on 1080 The Fam.